1: Hello, everybody, and welcome along to Midweek Motorsport. It is Series 19, episode number seven. I'm John Hindhoff, and it's just after eight o'clock in the evening in the UK, a tad after seven o'clock in the morning, uh, Australian Eastern Daylight Time, uh, because I am still in Oz before the trip to Qatar at the weekend for the FIA WEC. Prologue or the overture, as we're going to be calling it, ahead of the eighteen twelve kilometer race the following weekend. I uh, hope you are fitting well and have had a good week. Uh, Tim Gray is up in London. Good evening, as it is to you, Tim. How are you? I'm
2: very well, John. Excellent. Can you actually hear That's me? Good. Yes, I can. Listener, I can. I can, can hear. hear me. Yes, good.
1: I'm not sure whether the listener can hear you or not. The listener I can. can.
2: I, I, I can see. The meter's moving when I speak.
1: (laughs) You can see that the listener can hear you, if that makes any sense in audio parlance. I just couldn't (laughs) hear me in my own ears. It's funny enough, I had exactly the same problem um, in in that I've just had to turn, having done all of our line-up as we did, for some reason, now everything in my ears is much quieter, so I've just had to do exactly the same thing and turn turn up the headphones. A wee bit. Uh, On a packed programme tonight, the joys of live broadcasting, eh? Uh, On a packed programme tonight, from the opposite side of the world, part of the show, uh, we have what, please, Tim? It's back.
2: It's back. Hmm. What could it be? Formula One's back, Nick. I was expecting him to say hooray there, weren't you? Yeah, I was rather Mm. expecting a hooray. We'll come back to that.
1: He may have said he did. He did. (laughs) (laughs) You were just a bit late on the button.
2: Yes, clearly. Shall
1: we try that again? As if that was just a rehearsal. It's back, is it, Tim? What's back?
2: Uh, Well, the thing that's been testing in Bahrain this week is back, and that would be Formula One. Nope. Still not 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 hearing Nick. No
3: is the listener here
4: yeah. I
2: don't how's, think so oh there that? he is oh there he is there you Correct. are hello
3: yeah
1: air gap sorry <laughs> so hang on a minute so that wasn't Tim's finger trouble nope. that was you not being plugged in that was my air gap I was That's plugged
3: in uh, I wasn't turned on
1: well there's a yeah. whole different uh, conversation Absolutely. that we had about that so about as effective as a Ferrari strategy programme in there were you
3: not quite that bad. Right, the one pick of a switch.
1: Well, indeed. All right, so we'll be talking F1. What else have we got? Uh, we've got an entry list for Le Mans. We have not many surprises, but a couple of things I think that's
2: worth talking about. Definitely worth talking about it. We were going to talk about it with um, our uh, FIA World Endurance Championship uh, commentator Johnny Palmer. Unfortunately, he's on a plane. Uh, so Let's then then Are we thought he he's he's off to Zurich to do some commentary in Samuritz this weekend. Right. Uh, so then we thought uh, let's talk to uh, Sportscar365's John De Geese. Guess what? He's on a plane as well. <laughs> he is, yes. He hasn't landed in Qatar yet. He, he's not going to Samuritz, though. No. No. He's
1: not. Actually, do you know what? He will be... No, he won't. He won't quite have landed. I'm just checking. No, he won't be anywhere near landing. No. <laughs> no. Um, so it's just going to be me and Nick and you talking about it. And the listener, Aspect Entertainment. Uh, let's have your thoughts on the Le Mans entry list. 23... I'm trailing ahead a little bit here, but just in case you haven't seen it, go and look it up. 23 uh, top-class cars, which is the... Um, most i think since 2008 when we had 22 um and we haven't had any more than that since we're back in i think 1997 or 1998 when we had i think we had 28 or 27 back in those days anyway um 16 lmpts and the rest of the grid made up by gt3 lms as we have to call them but they're just gt3s um, and uh, a seven-car uh, standby list, reserve list. So your thoughts, please, on at spec um, What else have we got? Uh, we'll have uh,
2: a bit of chat about Bathurst of the weekend, uh, including yes. you uh,
1: taking to the circuit yourself. Yes, not behind the wheel. Um, sadly, I have to... Report. although I would have loved to. And the first opportunity is sample a Mustang Dark Horse. Now, we nearly got an exclusive road test on this car last September in the US, but for a number of reasons, which I won't bore you with, it didn't quite happen. But uh, Ben Nightingale and the rest of the Ford Performance Australia crew were on hand at Bathurst. Hmm, read something into that if you'd like to. And I managed to have a chat with Ben about the car, about the plans for their expansion and uh, also get a ride round with uh, Lackey, the racing driver, um, who is actually a pretty good little steerer. Uh, You'll hear that. I presume that's in the second half of tonight's show. That'll be in the uh, second
2: half of tonight's show. Australia is still a very important market for Ford, even though they don't make cars there anymore.
1: Nobody makes cars, not many road cars here anymore. It's only the race car. Um, manufacturers now. Um, Is there not so, a Toyota plant there still? Nope. Nothing. Mm. Mm. So, anyway, that's coming the second half of tonight's programme. Plus, plenty of other news. We have had some MotoGP testing, uh, which has been interesting. Some World Superbike testing, which has been incredible at the newly resurfaced Phillip Island. Record, uh, lap record pace had it been an event. Uh, incredible stuff. And all the other stuff that uh, Tim Gray, our executive producer, manages to delve into and dig out. Uh, hello to Simon Hoff, who's listening tonight, to uh, Scott Brownlee. Hello, Scott. Uh, to Remy Tvardovsky. Tvardovsky, there we go. Dave Olcock uh, is tuned in this evening, almost as ever, Dave. Thank you very much for your continued support. Uh, To Brody who's listening in tonight. Brody, I saw your tweet, mate. Hope you're feeling better. And uh, just chill out here with your midweek motorsport family. And you know, anything we can do to help, you just have to shout up. Jamie Dwyer is tuned in, as is Alex Orton, listening from the car. Another late one. Shush. Program testing starting. Looking forward to the show and doing uh, an extended amount of washing up. Ed, sir, apologies for absence. Wickham versus Bradford on the telly. Uh, I presume you're a Wickham supporter, Ed, so go the chair, boys. Hello, hello. Yes, in
2: particular, because uh, I think if they win, they'll play uh, possibly
1: Blackpool in the final. Oh, okay. Um, Ian McCarthy tuning in with... Uh, tuning in with a glass of yet to be decided hope the team and collector for all well thanks Ian, Kevin Payne listening live again tonight, looking forward to the show give us the fabulous company of Bathurst a fresher for their journey home uh, um, well, she's back in Utah I'm still here I couldn't, uh, couldn't possibly leave actually, there's a story I'll tell you later on actually about something very odd that happened to me when I went out for dinner the other night, Chris Suku is uh, looking forward to the show just thinking an unctuous pheasant salad wrap followed by ice cream <laughs> uh, faffing in the study uh, Matt Andine is tuned in uh, right turn lover tuning in very good I see what you did with that uh, Otter thanks to the uh, entire RSL team for brilliant Bathurst broadcast, but AF here. Hope you're listening live tonight with a bit of a cold. A wrap warm. A All the latest profit. motorsport
0: news from around the world. Midweek motorsport.
1: Wow, that was very loud in my ears. Uh, Kobe Hoffman is listening live from San Jose, packing for the U.S. Masters Race Weekend. James Brown, not that one. Uh, family concerns dictating AFAs. So hope everything's okay, James. Blur fiend, Uh listening in from the uh, workshop. Uh, and... Uh, I've just lost my place there Waiting for MWM Chips from the Chippy For Alan Prosser And hello to Neil And Edwardian Creation And Simon And Jesse And Robert And James O'Donnell And, and, and Right Uh, To Tim Gray And to today's top story Which uh,
2: comes to the world of Formula One
3: Hooray again
2: We actually heard that one Uh, With his lack of enthusiasm Uh, (laughs) Yeah Formula One has been testing. Uh, It's the first day of the new season of official testing in Bahrain, and Max Verstappen was fastest, and uh, he's won the title.
3: Yep, season's over completely. Uh, Very good point. Uh, Yeah, no, they they all went out, and um, none of them, did what they normally do, is when it gets cool in the evening, do a glory run, so everyone just kept their powder dry so whilst Max Sappen was 1.1 seconds faster than everyone else no one actually knows how much faster he is because obviously they are faster it's just how much faster they are Um, most people turned a lot of laps only team that had any real problems was Williams who had a fuel pump and a drive shaft issue and realistically pretty much nothing could be um, uh, gleaned from it apart from that
2: Uh, now the Haas was the slowest car on the track
3: Yes, because it's going to be the slowest car this year.
2: Hulkenberg uh, and Magnussen did 148 laps between them. Yep. Uh, and had no issues. No, but they. Apart from being
3: slow. Well, they said they weren't bothered about times, just as well, really. Uh, because they, are, they were, the whole focus of this test was to work out what was wrong with last year's car, or the concept of last year's car. <laughs> Um, so they were going to just do long runs. I can
2: tell them what was wrong with uh, last year's car. It ate tyres when it did more than four laps.
3: And they wanted to work out why and find out whether it was going to stop being quite so rubber-hungry, so that was what they were doing, just long runs. But then, yeah, like Mercedes, they did long runs. In fact, I don't think really anyone apart from Red Bull did super short runs.
1: Did Mercedes do lots of long uh, runs on the medium tyre? Because that seems like all they ever do when they go no, they did testing one on, they early on the season.
3: Did long long run on the, the hardy tire,
1: not the super uh-huh. hard tire. So on the four, or the two, sorry, the two rather than the three. Um, they did release all the tire data, didn't they? Of, who had brought what? Because I, and I didn't real, realize this. I'm quite, if I'm quite honest, I thought everybody got the same mixture, same dolly mixtures of uh, or all sorts possibly a better uh, analogy of tires. But actually, the teams choose their tire allocation.
3: Yeah, and it's, and interesting it's all been released. Cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, that was interesting news. But the thing is that the
3: Bahrain is a very abrasive circuit, so they end up with the three hardest compounds there. Um, but of course, they also have examples of the softer compounds, which they'll be using for their if they ever do a glory run towards the end of the testing, which causes tire they never actually get to use during the weekend. So it's kind of a balance between working out what the car, how the car performs when you put the softer tires on, and realizing that they're going to get burnt up really quickly, and you aren't going to use them. So you know, it's a kind of a. Uh, you know, it is a a balancing out yeah, The team's got a lot of experience and know what they're looking to to do. And I'm pretty sure that most of them chose a million sets of the C3s because that's what they tend to troll round on anyway. As the obviously, you yeah, know, if you can get the car to work on the median tire, then you're not trying to work out why it's not working um, on a harder or a softer tire. With we've been three three hardnesses off, really one one off. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was it was a you know, a pretty standard. Um, testing really, with very little very good reliability um and obviously everyone going oh look at look at the, look at the red bull it's got all this it's got that it's got the other then it turned out it didn't have any of those things it just had, a, had a, uh, a clever um side pod inlet design it wasn't having no side pods or zero pods or any sort of copy of mercedes so everyone's hyperbole from last week disappeared
2: uh so assuming that uh red bull is the best car what's the second best car
3: Don't know. On the times, it would be McLaren, but no one's one's gone for it. So at this point, it could be McLaren, it could be um, Ferrari, it could be Mercedes, it could be anyone really, apart from Haas.
1: Lando
2: Norris uh, says he's very happy. And uh, in fact, he said, I'm really happy to be back behind the wheel. Uh, It was very enjoyable.
3: Well, I've had a couple of really poor... um, bar tests recently so to have one that was like where the car was basically okay is probably uh, a plus point for him yeah i mean yeah, there's uh, people are going to be bullish and people are going to be um uh, you know overly depressed but you know as anything we'll get a better idea of where people might be um towards the end of the test and then we'll know for sure the following week we'll actually do it for real um at the track
2: uh McLemans have a new head of testing
3: do they? I didn't see this. Is it, is it, is it somewhere we should know? Uh, Jose Manuel Lopez. No,
2: then. No, OK. No.
3: But well done him.
2: <laughs> yes, he's, he's, uh, he's done his first day of
3: testing and it seems to have gone well. Everyone's testing went well, Pop Williams. Um, but the cars are good or bad, the testing went well. <laughs> uh, while we're
2: talking about people with new jobs, uh, Vincent Gallardo. Has a new job? Does he? Yes.
3: You're replunging the uh, the LinkedIn today, aren't you? He's uh, <laughs> he's uh, going to be
2: uh, at the FIA. Uh, he's oh, replacing he? Alessandro Chiliberti.
3: So he'll be at the FIA for what a year until he gets a much better offer from one of the teams.
2: Probably mm-hmm. Alessandro uh, Chiliberti, of course, uh, has gone to uh, the cash cow. Yes. Um,
3: i noticed that everyone's decided to call them RB now. That's the official thing. Have call they? RB, oh,
1: yeah. Um No, we're going to keep calling them Kashkal. I like that Oh, that's cab. fine.
2: Guy, but, Guy Ardo was formerly technical director of the Nissan Formula E team.
3: Well that's he Really? He says Nissan Kashkal. Nissan
1: hey. Hey, former Nissan.
3: Uh,
2: anything else uh, to come out of the F1 testing in Bahrain?
3: Um, no, not really, not yet. I think I think, I think it was um, a less significant day than even all of us who thought it would be very significant. Um,
2: and there's two more days to come.
3: Yeah, they, they, should, they should be more interesting, more significant. Oh, yes, uh, what this I is,
2: didn't mention, this is the third day. Um, apart from uh, when I mentioned uh, Lando Norris, of course, he's wearing a special helmet this weekend. He or is, this week. Um
3: in tribute to Gilles uh, de Ferrand. Yes. Um, who uh, obviously is yeah, a major nice. part of the McLaren team. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I don't want to play it down because everyone else is playing it up. I'm not being deliberately contrary, but um, even for testing, this was quite um, completely non-indicative indicative of anything.
2: There we go. Uh, that's Formula 1 testing then. Uh, there has been some two-wheeled testing going yes! on. Uh, yes. Do, do Philip Island first, World Superbikes.
3: Yes, BMW, they're going to win everything.
1: John? Well. Uh, um, we've seen this before. Now, what I will say, I had a long chat with uh, the BMW EPR representatives uh, at Bathurst who do both cars and bikes. And uh, there's a quiet confidence uh, about them. They're very excited, but one lap pace does not a championship make and uh, I'll, I'll take this as well um, from, I think it was Tom Firth, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Just hope that uh, extra pace at Phillip Island for World Superbike doesn't result in a shorter race due to tyre wear. Lots of rumours that that could happen. Uh, they have been ridiculously quick, haven't they?
3: Yeah, I mean, they've, they've certainly found some speed. Um, Top rack has, as we said, he's, he got the fastest time um, on the BMW, which just transferred to them. This year, uh, but as you alluded to, John, they've managed to be fast in the past. That's BMW. Um, but it's been the long race pace it has been the, the problem, and certainly the strength of the Ducati. And it's interesting that, um, I'm going to pronounce his name, uh, Belega, who's the teammate now to Bautista, it, the young yeah. man, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. is it, also setting the pace on that Ducati, uh, faster than Alvaro, who I think is finding that when you hurt yourself at 40, it takes longer to get better.
2: Is it a BMW thing or is it a top rack thing? Because the second fastest BMW was Scott Redding, and he was eighth, and mm. eight, nearly nine-tenths off the pace.
3: No, top rack's great. You know, top rack, that's why they pay him the big bucks. That's that's why he yeah, he has a... Yeah, there, are th- well, there were, for the last two years, three, three truly good... Um, World Superbike races, and they, they, they even when their bikes weren't performing, they often came first, second, and third. Now, Johnny Race obviously is at Yamaha and he had a bit of a quiet test, including a couple of accidents. Uh, Bautista's recovering from injury, and Top Rat's gone off and uh, put himself at the top of the tree.
2: Uh, also, uh, in the top 10, Lo- uh, Andrea Locatelli was third on the Yamaha. Uh, Andrea Iannone was fourth and Ducati. Alex Lowe's on Kawasaki was fifth. Rinaldi and Bautista, sixth and seventh, as you said, and Scott Redding. Uh, Gardner, uh, the far- no second fastest Yamaha, is ninth. And Bassani in the other Kawasaki was tenth, and all of those covered by nine-tenths of a second.
3: And, of course, this is the series based on road bikes isn't it john theoretically but, theoretically yes but the news today is that yamaha will stop selling the r1 next year um because yes. it can't meet european regulations which means the yamaha is no longer being sold the uh, suzuki stopped being sold they pulled out of all their motorsport arrangements the yamaha yeah, you know, it's it's a common thing and and despite being the least successful of all the big manufacturers bikes in the world of superbikes, the BMW S1000R sells more road bikes than the others combined.
1: Yes, yes. So. Well, we've talked about this before, Nick, haven't we? Because um, the BMW as a road bike is mm. undoubtedly and has been for quite some time the best bike out there. You know, BMW in four cylinder, uh, building four cylinder bike really well, shocker. It, it wasn't that much of a shock because they did do the older GTs which were great um I would love one of the old GTs I had one as a as a um a replacement bike when mine was getting some work done a few years ago and I know Bill Adam rated them very well um I wish I'd bought one when I could have done but but um for some reason they haven't translated that into uh into success on the track and Whilst they are still the biggest selling bike in the UK, there's only so many super bikes that people can buy. And and that is a marketplace that is contracting as well, Nick.
3: Yep. Um, we've already lost Suzuki. Suzuki still sells outside of Europe with GSX-R 1000. The same thing is going to happen to the R1. That's going. Uh, there haven't been any significant updates to the Kawasaki. But obviously, uh, and a Aprilia, who make a very good uh, sport uh, road mm. bike, don't even compete in, in world Superbikes. So you're left now with Ducati, who obviously are very good at throwing everything at it. Uh, and BMW are also throwing everything at it road bike wise, but, you know, they've, they've managed to get the economy to scale um, to make it worthwhile. But if you, look at, you know, if, you, if you look at how that's achieved, if you look at the, the most expensive part of a road production bike, it's the engine. And both Ducati and BMW use those racing engines in several different bikes. It's not, yeah, they they slightly detune it into a roadster, they slightly detune it to get into an adventure bike. And so, yeah, there's some real good marketing going on.
1: Yeah, and look, with all the shakeups that there've been in World Superbikes and riders switching manufacturers, it would be odd if there wasn't a slight change. Whether it will be a huge difference and whether anybody can basically add the tokens up. Uh, and I, I, I mean that in the broadest sense, I, add everything up and, and get enough to beat the package that is Ducati and their riders remains to be seen. I suspect not, but I also suspect it will be a bit closer in some races. And, and what I'm looking forward to, Nick, is just some closer non-Ducati dominated racing uh, at some stages of the year. I still think a Ducati will win the championship.
3: Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you. It, it's going to come down to um, how the weight changes have affected Bautista and how the tyre management is on the other bikes chasing that Ducati. I'm going to throw something into, into my... I'm not big one for prediction. I'm going to tell you right now that I don't think Bautista is going to win any of the races this weekend. Hmm. I'm not saying he's not going to win the championship. I don't think he's going to win any of the races. I think, I think he's a little
1: bit more beaten up than they let on. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, but that—I mean—that—that that is always—and we've said this on this program before, isn't it? It doesn't matter how far anybody gets ahead in the championship. In a much greater uh, potential than any other form of motorsport, the uh, the situation where a rider gets hurt and then misses a couple of rounds. Um, is always round the next corner, literally, on, on motorcycle racing. Um, mm. And riding poorly and riding not fit, I mean, they are such physical machines, World Superbikes and MotoGP. They are such physical machines. If you're not at 100%, then th- that's the difference between potentially getting in the top 10 or not getting in the points at all. We've seen this before. Um, they're relatively long races. And for superbikes in particular, there's three races over the weekend, two short, uh, two long and one short. That's a lot of work they've got to do in competition. And if you're not feeling yourself, then um, it, it, it just means that you're not going to give of your best. And there are so many good riders out there that somebody will take advantage of it. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, moving on. Midweek Motorsport Series 19, Episode 7. Um, me from... Your tomorrow, uh, as it is, uh, what time is it now? 25, 25 by 7 tomorrow for you. Hello to everybody in Australia. Hello to Edwegian Creations. It's like, so, it's like being on an a, episode of Sapphire and Steel. It is, mate. Got hit by a stone from roadwork near Cowan. A lot of roadwork uh, coming away from Bathurst. I came uh, out the back way and up to the, the Hunter Valley, and it was uh, there was a lot of roadwork. My, what a lovely run. That was in the KyNS, though thoroughly enjoyed it through the gorgeous. Had a, about all four seasons in one day, the only thing I didn't have was snow. Um, so can uh, thank you to everybody here, by the way, who we met at, at the Oxford on Friday night. Where would you like to go next, Tim? As the first we're, half an we're hour is almost complete, two
2: wheels, but this time right. looking at Moto GP, but um. You may be surprised that if we're talking about MotoGP, the name I'm going to throw at you is Anthony Reid.
1: Yeah, well, uh, it's yes, I have it, dude, yes. uh, well, yeah, well, Why John, Anthony Reid? Yeah, this is the best bike I've ever ridden. And, the best, uh, this fabulous. is the best
2: bike I've ever ridden. That is exactly what I was hoping Th- you would say. <laughs> because it's what uh, Alicia Spargro has said today. Ah, uh, is it really? But not, uh. not in an Anthony Reid kind of accent not not in that accent no but so no he
3: he's the best bike i ever do. Right he takes spanish isn't he hola the you... best bike i ever do. forget it. he's a lovely guy uh, yes mm. he's been he's been the fastest of the non um, ducatis uh, consistently with the, the aprilia um however the Ducatis have been quicker and more importantly and more significantly it's the 24 ducatis that this year's model ducatis have been quicker and why that is significant is because the person that everyone's going to be looking at when they actually blast off from Qatar in a week's time, a week, week, week in three days' time, is, of course, Mark Marquez. And he... Um, he's on a 23 Ducati and whilst he was doing reasonably well, there is, it seems to be already another step forward by the Ducati Works team under Gigi Dallia, both in Aerodynamics and other things. And the bikes look really quite ugly now uh, with the aero stuck on them, but they've really yeah. worked them well. And it looks like there is a big advantage on that 24 model. For example, last year, um, the 23 and the 22 were really very, very similar. And the year before, they couldn't even make up their minds. They ended up running 22 engine, 21 engines and 22 chassis because they were so close. Yeah. But it, it's been a big push forward
1: this year. Um, at the tax we tested out so far. It's three-week-ends time, by the way, for motor Oh, it's that far? Yeah, it's it Yeah, because third, they, third they, they've done large. testing now and then it's two-week-ends of WEC, the Overture, then the race, and then they're back. So they have ah. to bug out for two-week-ends and then come back. It's actually logistically quite uh, difficult. I, I'm quite looking forward to there's still being some motor GT teams hanging about and watching WEC and I'm um, I'm hoping to have a chat with a few. I want to talk to Davide Bruvio again, because mm. he's great, and he's back with uh, Trackhouse, isn't he?
3: Yep, with the with mm. one new Aprilia, which is the best bike I've ever ridden, and one old Aprilia for at least the start of the season. Uh, he went
2: on to say, "This is the best bike I've ever ridden, but it's not fast enough to beat the Ducatis." Yeah, mm. but, well,
3: you know, nothing if not a realist. Um, True, but you know, it's it's not necessary. that you know if if, if he could establish himself as. Very much the the leader and uh, have that consistency had a couple of years ago. The, the leading Ducati to take points off each other and fall off. So there's a possibility it could be with a, a challenge, especially those differences don't never seem as large in the sprints they do in the main race. Correct.
2: He said the lap times we did here are incredible are insane, crazy, incredible, unbelievable lap times. Everybody's very very fast. It looks like Ducati's improved. We've improved. Uh, the KTM also improved a little bit. Uh, it looks like the Japanese brands improved a little bit, but not enough. The Italian ones are improving more.
3: Yeah, it's not, it wasn't a great test for Honda or Yamaha. They were very significantly not fast.
1: In fairness, though, Luzail is not particularly indicative of the um, majority of the circuits that they'll go to. No, but Malaysia the, beforehand
2: was exactly the same.
1: Yeah, that is true. Yeah, that is true. So, uh,
2: at, le- at least the uh, Ducatis are still consistently well ahead of everyone
3: else. Yes. At least if you're a Ducati fan, yes.
2: Well, yes. If you're not a Ducati fan, then uh, I wouldn't bother watching my GP this year.
3: Well, no, because being a Ducati fan means you've got uh, there's eight people you can support. So, it's not quite as bad as being a Red Bull fan and <laughs> when there's only one person who's ever going to win anything. Uh,
2: yes. Okay, I'll give you that. Uh Shall we stay on two wheels, if you wish? Because be we've, we've got some uh, Isle of Man TT news. Oh. oh oui. I, yes. one, one year I'll get to it. What is it, Tim? Uh, there's quite a few pieces of Isle of Man TT news. This seems to be the week where everyone's announcing their rider line-up. And uh, oh. one man who's going to be coming to the Isle of Man for the first time... Yes. ...is Lois Mikan.
3: Right. Um, he is the reigning Croatian bit.
2: super sport champion. Well, oh, right. And he'll uh, be doing super sport uh, on the Isle of Man. He's 28. He's a three time Croatian champion. In. Uh, and he's raced in superbike and as well as super sport, but his title is won in super sport. He said it's been a great desire, and a personal goal of mine since I was a young boy to contest the Isle of Man TT <laughs> <activity laughs> races. Ever, since so, ever since it, a young boy. so for it to be happening this year really is a dream come true. I consider it mm-hmm. to be the top of someone's motorsport career in a place to really show your talents.
3: You have to be yeah. as brave as a brave thing, and I have nothing but respect for people who want to go and do that because it is absolutely insane.
2: So he's a newcomer to the Isle of Man, but we have some uh, returnees. Mm-hmm. Uh, would that be Paul
1: Jordan and Julian Trimmer? It would be for Jackson mm-hmm. Racing. Yeah. Um, Northern Irish driver, uh, riders who have made a bit of a name for themselves. I oh, oh, oh described as rising stars um, I, I, th- I think they're a little more well known than that uh, and they'll be driving, riding for Jackson Racing uh,
2: They were teammates last year on, in a different right. team on a Honda
1: mm-hmm.
2: Correct uh, They are going to be racing Honda again this year so uh, uh, they'll have that familiarity um, Josh Brooks is back Josh Brooks is back um Davy Todd is back as well. Um and, uh,
1: that's for Stuartwood. That He's is
2: yes yes. And um Connor Cummins is back as well. He'll hmm. be uh what is the uh, Milenko by Padgett's know, yeah. team.
3: Twenty seventh of May to it the eighth of June. Yeah, it wasn't for all our other commitments. We could actually go to it this year because it's not clashing with Le Mans. It's just clashing with Nürburgring instead.
1: It's clashing with Nürburgring, uh, <laughs> Le Mans Test, the uh, IMSA round at Mid-Ohio, and da 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 What they need to do is that
3: they need to have an extra week in the year. So you kind of have in between... a ah, 53rd like, week. A 53rd week, sort of like June the... <laughs> Seven, five B, six B, seven B, eight B, and Very nine good. B. And then we can actually see these things we are going to see.
1: Yeah, one year I will get to the TT. I almost, I, I thought I was going to be able to get to it this year, as Nick uh, rightly says. And obviously, we know quite a lot of people <laughs> on the line. Yeah. yes, but uh, Nurburgring. <laughs> um, so here and in yeah. Hall. Uh you mentioned you're listening Josh to me didn't Sorry, you? Go- um, oh, yeah, yeah, I did. He um,
2: is uh, pairing up with Mike Brown and his teammate uh, mm. for this season. Super
1: Sport, that'll be, is it?
2: Uh, they'll be doing Super Sport, yes. And uh, is Brooks also doing a Super Bikes? Just Super Sport. Just Super Sport by the look of it. Mm. That's enough. A yeah. couple of races, lots of practice sessions.
1: Moving on, uh, we we are on Midweek Motorsport Series 19, episode number seven. Uh, And as we head into the second half an hour, at Utainment, I'm still looking for you to tell us what you picked out of the Le Mans entry list. Uh, Do we go there next by any chance? Uh, We could
2: go there next. I was going to uh, do a little preview, but let's uh, go to the Le Mans entry list then. So... No surprise or few surprises, should we say uh, yeah uh, we, we we knew a lot of the teams and uh, cars and drivers that were going to be there because uh, they 're on the FIA World Endurance Championship entry list, which we 'd already seen, uh, mm-hmm. and they get an automatic entry to them on, and we also knew who the uh, invitees were going to be as well Correct. so that doesn 't leave a lot. Uh, uh, of, I think uh, it's
1: fifteen of course 16, sixteen there's there's only sixteen true um invitations that the committee has to sit and uh and talk about, and the bulk of those of course, are in l m p two there are five invitations in l m p two that are won um they were all taken up, and then the rest of the l m p two field is based of of just proper invitations because of course they aren't in the World Endurance Championship, uh, uh, championship anymore, um, and um, I, I think well, let's. If I'm, I've mentioned LMP2, Nick. Uh, first of all, sixteen LMP2s. We knew that they were going to reserve a minimum of fifteen places. Um, I didn't think we'd get fifteen actually. So sixteen is a, a really good field, and all of the usual suspects in there.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's easy to overlook. It's not currently, obviously, in the, or not will ever again be in the, the World of Championship, certainly the Oracle 07. But this is a, a fantastically well-developed race car, runs by some fantastic well-developed race teams. And you and you sit down, and I'm just running down the list here, and I can only see about one team I don't think could win. Um, <laughs> so that's that's the strength and depth now. And six
1: of them in the Pro-Am category as well. There's some very good drivers uh, in there. Um, We've got, I think, two or three of the best bronze drivers in the world. Um, And with George Kurtz and Ben Keating among those. So that that Pro-Am category is going to be very, very... A highly contested. Uh cool racing with a couple of cars, United Autosports Sports and United Autosports USA with multiple entries. Um I, I did who did I see didn't take up all of their uh entries? Oh no, that was in um G T, wasn't it? That was in G T three, yes. Yes. Um which was interesting. The Lithuanian team, pure RXing, pure racing. Um, neither of their are auto-invitations for winning the Asian Le Mans Series and Bronze Cup title in Fanatec GT World Challenge Europe powered by AWS, um, They don't seem to have taken either of those up. Um, but that's a strong uh, presence for GT3s, all the usual suspects there. Um, I'm, I'm going to see it and then move on. Still... It's not right that there's no Audis and there's no AMGs in there. I understand why there aren't, but it's still not right. Um, so, uh, but let's gloss over that. Uh, anybody in there, Nick, that you've noticed anything? Um, oh,
2: there was there's a change. A lot was of in, in GT3, there's a lot mm-hmm. of
3: Ferraris. Are there?
1: One,
2: two... Keep
3: counting. Three, four, four. Five. Five, yes. Well, this is the thing. Going back to the point about teams and... And if you look at the reserve
2: list, there's two Ferraris on that as well.
1: Yeah, I thought I we were know. going to have two cars only from each team. Well, yes, that's two cars only for the... WEC. From each manufacturer, for the WEC, Nick. So uh, that, right. So, if he's so, carried that
3: You could have had Mm -hmm. 11 manufacturers and one left over for a bonus.
1: Uh, Yes, but that wouldn't have then got your invitations in. Although the invitations in, um, uh, we mentioned the two pure RX racing, uh, RXing, uh, Rexing, um, invitations weren't taken up. So only two automatic invitations were taken up, and that was Inception with their McLaren and Proton with a Ford Mustang, an additional Ford Mustang. Um, for Christian himself. Um, <laughs> didn't
2: Christian Reed say he didn't want to race that uh, GT3? <sighs> yeah, but it's Le
1: Mans.
3: He's not it's in either the cars. He's not, listed either, he's not listed in he either is,
1: the cars. He's listed in the 44 in, the, invitational, in, in the, the one through invitational entry, the additional car, other than their two WEC Oh, cars. sorry.
3: Yep, sorry. I've, I've, I've yeah. got to learn to scroll the whole way. So they've got three mm. cars. I mean, this is, this, yeah, I'm, yeah, okay, this, this is a little bit self-serving, I think. I think, you know, if you are going to run a, a limited um, entry uh, GT3, when, of course, you could have 270 entries of GT3, then
1: you, then you need to be a bit more kind of selective. You say, like, okay, you can have, we'll have two from each manufacturer and just choose your cars. I mean, we had a situation that didn't happen, but we had a situation that could have occurred with the H&M the one series where AMG and Audi make up more than half of the GT3 manufacturers that a team, I was talking to Chris Reinke about this at Bathurst, um, uh, and you you could have had a team that would have won the Asian Le Mans series and therefore got an invitation to Le Mans, who you would have had to hand off to another manufacturer because they Mm. couldn't take the car that they won the championship and won the invitation with. Now, that is the height of being bonkers as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we'll take some of your tweets in a moment. I'd you, are timid. Um, if
2: they're not going to enter the WEC, then how do you BOP them for one race?
1: Because GT3's got BOP across the world, Tim.
2: And we think that so, so, and, the and you're not ACO BOP'ing are them using the SRO
1: BOP. Well, but the BOP them for Asian the Mans series, which is how they would have won through. So I'm sorry, that... that Argument doesn't stand up. Thank you um, quite well so, made. Um, it, it, I understand it's a, it's about WEC and it's a matter of space, but at Le Mans it's not a matter of space. And um, I, I have issues with the World Championship for GT three being closed to manufacturers who want who have eligible cars and who who. Sorry, that was my phone. I need to disconnect that from my. Uh, Um, Mixer Um, uh, 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 who have cars that are eligible and are winning races in ACO competition um, uh, uh, not being able to take up their invitations to Le Mans or even apply to go to Le Mans I, I just have issues with that I have issues with Manufacturers not being able to take part in the World Championship when they've got ACO, BOP in other championships run by the ACO, but not being able to take part in a World Championship. That would be like saying in, in the Formula One World Championship, um, oh we, we don't, don't like you. Um, who's been really good? Oh, yeah, Red Bull. We don't like you. You're not going to be allowed to enter next year mm. because because some spurious reason. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah,
3: yeah. I, 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 yeah, it's, it's year one. Um, it appears to be a a, a selection of anomalies
1: uh, piled upon, um, you know, mm. strangeness. Um, th- there have been a couple of changes. Uh, Hiroshi Hamaguchi is uh, listed uh, on the McLaren number ninety-five from United Autosports. We weren't necessarily expecting to see uh, his name, but there's a a really Good spread of drivers in that. Look, take nothing away from from what's there. Um, Ryan Hardwick's coming over from the US with Zach Robichon to run the, uh, the in the proton car, which runs in the WAC. We mentioned Inception. They're going to have uh, Brendan Arib. Don't forget, there has to be a bronze driver um, and either a silver or a gold driver uh, in the car. Uh, if you particularly if you have a platinum, but some of the platinum drivers are top. You've got Valentino Rossi with Al- Ahmed El-Harty and Maxime Martin in there. David Regan with Frankie Castellacci and Thomas Floor. That's going to be a good good combination. Um, I'll, I'll speak to some of them uh, at the weekend and, uh, and see what their thoughts are. Uh, Hypercar, Nick, with um, mm. 23. The additional cars. So the invitation was given... This is the at large IMSA invitation, which traditionally they give to the championship winner, and they have done again. That's Whalen Cadillac, the number 311, would be 31 in the States. So that's People, Jack Aitken, and a TBC. Um, the other additions are a second Lamborghini SC63 for uh, third, uh, sorry, uh, Lamborghini S. No,
3: no, no, it's only two. No, no, me
1: yeah, uh, I was right the first time. A second uh, Lamborghini SC63 for Roman Grosjean, Andrea Calderelli, Matteo Cairoli for Iron Lynx. Uh, Penske Motorsport once again have got their third Porsche. That will be Matty Jamine and two other works drivers. Uh, and the Cadillac of Sebastian Bordier, Renga van der Zander, and Scott Dixon as well. Um, Alex Pillow coming over to make his Le Mans debut, so he'll have to do the test day and all the bits and pieces. And if you've been listening carefully to Shay at the Raw, you would have known that already because he actually mentioned it uh, to her when we were doing the interviews. Uh, other than that, I've got to say that's pretty good. There's there's going to be um, balance of performance, balance of. Uh, Equalisation of performance will be a hot topic this year. And already, the, without a wheel being turned, the balance of performance is out. And uh, Ferrari have um, got a break. Pretty much everybody except Toyota have got a break. Um, it is track-specific this year um, from the WEC, so they are reserving the right to change track on track. I hope they don't. It's the whole point for me is that some cars will be better at one track or another and that's the joy. Um, also, have you don't want to Have be... they
3: still run success ballast they ran last year? Mm,
1: no, I don't think so. Although, interestingly, Toyota that currently um, run at 1080 kilograms, uh, there's talk of that car getting 20 kilograms added to its minimum weight. Um and running at 1100 uh we have seen the new livery for the third af course of ferrari uh termed the privateer car um which it runs in the cup rather than in the top championship that's the only difference between it not being oh and uh, also robert Kubitz says is, uh, is paying for it through all and um Robert Kubica, Robert Schwartzman and Robert Ifeyer. Because obviously there have to be three Roberts there. Um, Oh, hand-built by Roberts. Um, No, that was Fiat, not Ferrari, wasn't it? So nearly. Um, Second, uh, we know there's going to be two cars for Team Jota because they've got two uh, WEC entries. And other than that, I mean, impressive, Proton didn't get their Jimmy Bruni Proton competition car in. Um, that's the car that runs in the States, but it's top of the list of reserves. And unlike years gone by, in recent years, if any car drops out, the first one at the top of the list goes in. So it doesn't have to be a hypercar out for a hypercar to go in. So Proton then into Europol with their Clement Novelac LMP2 Orica. Then Racing Spirit of Le Mans with the uh, Valentin Azaclo, uh Aston. Then a couple more Ferraris for Kessel and Formula Racing. Richard Mille by TDS, LMP2 and Stay Sail Motorsport uh, with Michael Dynan uh, from the US in there. I suspect we will not get all the way down to the top seven. Um, whether Proton get in or not remember the uh, we lock the field in at test day so if somebody has a big one at test day you can't then bring somebody else in so as soon as we roll out for the first session at test day that will be locked in and once again delighted to tell you that the WEC and therefore Le Mans will have the only live globally free to air uh, race coverage for you uh, this year it will be uh, for the most part free practice 3 qualifying and the race for WEC Le Mans, of course with our extended coverage and will be on site for a few more of the WEC's including the opener at the 1812 kilometers of Lazale, uh next week ends uh, and i don't think there's much more uh, to say about that uh, I had a
2: point on the reserve list, oh. uh, which is, of yeah. course, that uh, there are seven cars on it now and um, the entry is not locked until test day, as you say. But teams may withdraw, and quite often Correct. teams do withdraw from that uh, yes. reserve list well before you get to test day. So you might find that um, a team that's third or fourth uh, on the list... Uh, will not be uh, taking part even if uh, three or four teams do drop out uh, because they'll have withdrawn before that happens.
1: Yeah, um, Andrew Cotton, here's listening in. Hello, Andrew, editor of Race Car Engineering. Uh, Specific BOP for Le Mans, of course. Uh, And uh, he thinks the new maximum weight for hypercars might be 1,100 kilos. Um, New upper limit for BOP. Uh, your thoughts, please, on... I have a question. Yes, fire away. Uh, we have 175,000
3: Porsche 963s in this race. Um, well, many six. Porsche 963s. Yes, yeah, um, six. What, what's the situation with their trying to re-homologate re- or change the homologation of their engine? Because they didn't have to build an absolute shed, London, wouldn't they, in this new spec? They need not know it in advance because they wouldn't want to have half with one spec and half with the other. In fact, they wouldn't be allowed to, would they?
1: The... It's very Porsche, isn't it, going back to the old days. Um oh, you might want to try this chip for your ECU. Um uh, this is this is the um is the crankshaft of the cams yeah, crankshaft. Crunch-roll. They're they're looking at a, a slight change in the crankshaft to improve reliability. Absolutely not to get any more performance out of you, Mr. P O P person. Um i don 't know how far down that the line is i i have had a brief chat with Thomas Loudenbach, head of Motorsport at the weekend, but we were talking as you might imagine g t three wins uh, i 'll grab him at the um at the overture and find out how that 's going there's there's still um, there 's still manufacturing and supply issues so uh, I the answer to that is I simply don't know whether they will be allowed to run whether I mean Penske would get first shout on everything and you know uh, Roger happy birthday for um earlier in the week um and he, he has been pretty uh, um controlling and Penske's been pretty controlling um Porsche Penske Motorsport um have been pretty controlling in in what's been filtering down to the to the the customer teams anyway, in terms of spare bodywork and and other spares. So anything that's new would go to them first. Um, I, I don't see why they can't run two different specs of cars because it would effectively just be um, a performance joker or a reliability joker. So an, a quote-unquote evil version of the cars um, and, and that might not filter down to all Of the customers straight away, and you want the customers don't want anything that hasn't been race proven, and so they would probably be quite happy, particularly at Le Mans, not to have something new. I would have thought. Mm-hmm. Um, um, James O'Donnell says, I agree, and I'm disappointed not to see MJ and Audi hugely successful in GT3 and in the Asian Le Mans series. The sound and look wonderful, uh, and the McLaren gets an entry great car, but dot dot dot. Um, McLaren hinting at their hypercar ambitions of course with neither, neither Audi or AMG are talking about, although Chris Renke said to me they can do anything if he can find somebody to pay for it so he's lobbying the board and can the, can the point they not is just he not found anyone silver? sorry say, say that again Tim can, first. I said
2: the point is he hasn't found anyone has he no
1: and Nick
3: just paid the Lamborghini silver Mm,
1: true. Uh, Johnny Mayne, um, part of the Orange Army, says the biggest issue with Le Mans entry was no Garage 56. That is a very good point. Uh, uh, however, I don't know what was... The SEO don't tell us what was submitted, if anything. Well, yes, but that's not due till next year. They're talking about uh, that for next year. Uh, right. um, it does. It's not necessarily every year, Garage 56. Um, Garage 56, not a, a physical place, but more a concept because we have more than 56 cars in the race nowadays, of course. But that is a good point. Um, I'll, I'll see if I can find out if there was anything, but they like to give people a good long lead in right turn lover LMP, uh, LM GT3 should have zero limitations or guarantees on manufacturers. It's supposed to be a pro am championship with customer teams, so the amateur, um, but with actually ensuring they are armed um, drivers, should be able to pick their team and car of choice and off their goal. Don't disagree with you, RTL. Um, hello to... Oh, hello to Sarah and Martin, by the way, who are uh, tuned in. Um, gd 3 continues from GTE arm and having success ballast. Hypercar continues to have no success ballast. Back in LMP1, Toyota against the private e is sub There was success, punishment, but not in Hypercar. Correct, uh, RTL, Thank you for that. Uh, GT3 Le Mans should result in well-established racing teams who don't often or perhaps never meet up in other series going up against one another at the great race. Manti and Inception spring to mind. they are bound to be more going forward, says Ian McCarthy. Um, and what else have we got Good here? point, that. Yeah. No, it is. I agree. The, the, the issue for Le Mans... Is It's a round of the FIA World Endurance Championship. Um, and that means that everybody who's in the World Endurance Championship has to have an entry. But other um, uh, other big races like Indianapolis, that's not the case. You still have to qualify into the race. And I know they're trying to change that at the moment. But there's a simple answer to that. And I keep seeing this. I think that all the classes um, – so, so you've got a situation at the moment where you've got an LMP2 class, which is not part of the World Championship. So effectively, they're all invitational class cars in, yep. in that respect. Um, they've either won their way in or they've been picked by the committee. Um, I don't think Le Mans should be a World Championship event for the GT3s. And that would clear it all up. For Hypercar, Absolutely because it's the World Endurance Championship, but not for GT3. And then you could invite whoever you wanted. And some of them would come from the WAC, but some of them wouldn't. And it's, it's a one-off race, and everybody would still want to be in it, and everybody would still want to go there. But it so often skews the championship anyway because of the point system, something else that needs slightly tweaking for my money. Um... But I think if only the hypercars, if it was only a world championship for the hypercars, and the other two classes were purely invitational or win your way in, so in that case, if, if somebody with an AMG did win Asian Le Mans Series or did win their way through through IMSA or whatever, they'd be allowed to go, because it wouldn't be ske- skewing and messing up the world championship. Um, I understand that the SEO do not want non. WEC cars winning their biggest race but it wouldn't be winning it overall, it'd be a class win and what that would make it would make the GTs more important at Le Mans, not less important in my mind, because it would be that coming together that Ian was talking about there, that coming together of everything, like the World Championships, like a a one-off Olympic 100 maintenance final, or whatever, actually, the other way around, isn't it? The, the marathon, one off Olympic marathon, and everybody, all the dis- top distance runners come to, come to play. And whether that was from the Nurburgring series, whether it was from IMSA, whether it was from the Asian Le Mans series, any of the SRO Fanatec series, ELMS, Asian Le Mans series, you potentially could have 20 odd cars in there that were the best of the best of the best. And it wouldn't be manufacturer dependent, and nobody would lose out. As as Nick said, there's more than enough entries there to have two from every GT3 manufacturer and some spares. Your thoughts Uh, at specutainment, please. Coming up to 9 o'clock in the UK. Um, And Tim, have we got time for a little story before top of the hour?
2: i have got time for a little promo, uh, oh. because uh, Adam Watson is on SimCast tomorrow night. Talk about how he got into his motorsport career. Uh, he obviously started in sim racing, and mm. uh, now he's working on the Aston Martin
1: Vantage GT4. <laughs> mm. And a sim racer won the uh, Daytona 500 on Monday. Yes. Uh,
2: they're also praising Le Mans Ultimate. Ooh,
1: okay. I've seen mixed Are reviews they? of that so far. Yeah, Yes, they, all, the, they,
3: all, the review, all the reviews I've seen have said it's it's a polished up RF2 with um, incredibly buggy and glitchy.
2: Well, find out why they're praising it uh, by listening to the simcast tomorrow at uh, 8 pm here on RS1. Uh, there's more enjoyment for you tonight. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, because after we finish at ten o'clock,
1: uh, it's the historic racing news radio show. Oh, uh, I, thought you, I thought you meant. I thought you meant that means I can nip off for breakfast. <laughs> no,
2: no, 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 no. Your conflicts will have to wait. Uh, <laughs> Uh, unfortunately uh, this week 's historic uh, racing news radio show was pre recorded on Monday, and they mm. are talking in quite a lot of detail about race retro at Stony Park, oh, which yeah. on Tuesday was cancelled because of flooding
1: well it would have it would have been um More like the boat race retro. Yes, Um, uh, from the pictures that that I saw at the the weekend. It was apparently it was so
3: wet the cars had to come in two by two. Very good. Very good.
2: Uh, they also will be uh, looking back at Retromobile in Paris last weekend. Paul Tarsi was out there for of that. Of course he was.
1: The Baron was out at Retromobile. <laughs> what the podgiest short in the world. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Well done, I'd, 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 I'd,
2: I think uh, Johnny Palmer of this weekend is probably a little more... Is he doing that ice racing thingy again? It's the uh, Concourse Concourse d'Elegance on Ice. De Mm. All right. Uh, And they'll also be talking. (laughs) They'll also be talking in the wake of Lewis Hamilton uh, defecting to Ferrari. They're going to be talking about other Formula One champions who have done the same thing with varying levels of success. So that's the Historic Racing News Radio. So coming up after us tonight at 10 p.m. here on RS1. You want to jingle, don't you, John? (laughs) I'd love a jingle. Okay.
0: Midweek Motorsport, where John has just 48 seconds to tell you what's coming in the next hour.
1: Start the countdown clock. All right, coming up in the next hour will be, I'm sure, talking a little more uh, motorsport from Formula One, from bikes, uh, from, oh, Bathurst. Yes, we haven't talked about Bathurst yet, have we? Uh, And... We'll be uh, looking forward to the next couple of weekends, a bit more sports car news. There's plenty of news to come out of various sports cars. We're not that far away from Sebring either Uh, and the Mobile One, 12 hours of Sebring. Tim will be digging up some more obscure stories. But next, we're going back a few days to the end of Saturday of last week when at the end of my broadcast day i got invited down onto the midweek grid at Mount panorama on radio Le right so a ride of a lifetime coming for me as we attack the 6.2 kilometers of mount panorama here at bathurst in a car that i'm really hoping we're going to see competing here next year 2020 5.
4: Your name, sir, first of all? My name is Ben Nightingale. And you are? I'm the Product Communications Manager for Ford Australia.
1: You see, when I want answers, I come to the people who have the answers. Tell me about this car that I'm going to ride in. It's been
4: launched relatively recently, and it is effectively the... Is it effectively the top spec road Mustang you can buy now? Yeah, it absolutely is. So what you're going to experience is the seventh generation Mustang Dark Horse. So it's the best, biggest, and best uh, Mustang road car available uh, right now. On the in um, coming to Australia mid this year. Give us some numbers. Everybody wants to. How fast will it go, Mister? Okay, well that's that's one
1: thing. Tell us about, it's a V8, of course it is, because it's a Mustang and it's a top-line
4: Mustang. How does it stack up in, against the heritage? What kind of numbers are we talking about, horsepower, torque, etc. Yeah, sure. So it's uh, obviously 5-litre V8 engine, 6-speed manual transmission. We're talking 447 kilowatts. Uh, you're talking uh, how many, 650 newton metres of torque, um, it's I'm trying to work out kilowatts to BHP there. Uh, that seems You're talking 450 plus BHP. Yeah, which I would think would be adequate. Yeah, adequate. So is that the Coyote motor then? Is that based on the Coyote motor? It is. It's the 5-litre yeah. Coyote engine. Absolutely, John. So that is the engine actually that the
1: GT3 car is based on as well before it goes to Malcolm Wilson over
4: in Cumbria in the northwest of England for, for the GT racer. You, absolutely. Yeah, you're correct. So the road cars are 5.5 litre, 5.0. The one in the GT3 cars are 5.4, and as you know, um, built by M-Sport, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, Malcolm knows what he's doing when it comes down to things like that. What is it about Mustang now, and with the heritage
1: down through the years, the, the old pony cars, as they were, that, this is the car that, that t- coined that term, but what is it about Mustang that keeps this car relevant? Effectively, it's the only car now that Ford produced for most world markets.
4: Yeah, well, absolutely. It's one of the last, you know, big V8 rear drive, you know, um, vehicles available globally, uh, especially naturally aspirated. It's just, about, I think it's about passion, John. It's the 60th anniversary of Mustang this year, um, launched at the World's Fair in, in, in April 1964. And um, it's just been about, you know, the, 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 the passion that people have for that Mustang brand and that badge, continues to blow us away you know and each each time we we introduce a new generation we're introducing a new generation of customers and fans to this vehicle and what you'll note when you go out on the track is this car it's still a mustang it looks like a mustang it sounds like a mustang but it's got all the latest technology it's got fantastic you know led touch screens inside beautiful interior it feels very premium it's a great vehicle
1: i for about 11 days i owned a uh early 1970s Mach 1 Mustang um, and I bought it from somebody just to sell it on and it's one of my great regrets it was a lovely light blue colour but for somebody of my age Pete Mustang is 67 and a quarter Steve McQueen with the pony off the front and with the the mag wheels and you look at this car you absolutely
4: see that the Car is developed with that pretty much that same silhouette. Absolutely, yeah. You, you know, as I said, it's modern, but you look at it and you go, no, that's a Mustang. You instantaneously know by looking at the the profile of the car what you're looking at, and that's key again to that Mustang DNA, you know, and and making sure that we we continue that lineage and we continue that passion, and it is that you know that coke bottle hip and that long bonnet and that you know, and, and of course that thumping V8 under the under the bonnet. And what part does motorsport
1: play? In that Because Mustang has raced pretty much since Mustang
4: came out, mm-hmm. is that still an integral part of the DNA? I think it's yeah. I think it's more integral than ever. And as you've noted, we've got Mustang globally racing in obviously supercars in here in Australia, GT racing globally now with the GT3 and the GT4 Mustang, NASCAR of course has just gone live with the new with the new model. Um, we're in drag racing. We're going to be in grassroots racing, single-make series, IMSA. We're everywhere with Mustang, and, and of course. Ford returning to Le Mans this year with the Mustang. We can't wait. We're so excited. It's going to be fantastic.
1: First round of the Mustang Challenge in the state and Imza is at Mid Ohio mm-hmm. in uh, early June. It's that's actually Le Mans test weekend. And believe it or not, I'm going to be at Mid Ohio ri- rather than Le Mans because that's so important. What part will that play? Because single manufacturer races around the world for other manufacturers has worked really well. It's not something that Porsche have done. Uh, Sorry, it's something that Porsche have done very well. It's not something that Ford have done in the recent past, although I have to tell you,
4: uh, my very first car race was in Fiesta Challenge in the UK. Fantastic, yeah. Well, we do have a history in single-mate series, as you know. In the past, in Australia, we used to race the Ford Laser um, as a single-mate car. But, yeah, so Mustang Challenge is, is, as you note, starting at IMSA, mid-Ohio, mid-year, and it's really going to be uh, what we hope will be a, a breeding ground for talent. And they can, they can come up the, the Ford um, Motorsport Pyramid via GT4 or GT3, etc. And the winners of the Mustang Challenge are going to be able to get access to opportunities within the Ford Motorsport uh, world. And it's going to be, yeah, it's, it, it's fantastic. We're excited.
1: Starting in IMSA, but the intent is, like Mustang itself, that Ford Mustang Challenge will be
4: a global challenge. So we'll we see other versions of Mustang Challenge across across the globe. Yeah, I think that definitely that's, that's a plan, and I'd say in that regard, watch this space. And uh, as, as it develops and as it grows, I think, yeah, you'll see it pop up over the, around the world. Right. If you could give me one bit of advice or one thing that I should be looking for in the next few minutes when I go around the mountain, uh, what's it going to be? And don't just say, hang on tightly, hang up. <laughs> no, just uh, sit back and, I think, enjoy the sound, enjoy the feeling, enjoy the thrust of that big V8 engine and just... You know, drinking that that pony car charm—it's sensational.
1: Well, the car's just about to pull up on my right-hand side. We're on the front straight here at Mount Panorama, so stand by. I'll get myself strapped in, and then we'll head off for an exciting, noisy flat six. There, we'll head off for an exciting run round Mount Panorama. Hello, Lockie. I'm John. Tell me, tell me a bit about this car. What do you like about it?
2: Well, for a road car, it handles like a near like a pretty good race car, so um, it's
1: pretty cool. We're going to give ourselves a little bit of gap onto the other Mustang ahead. We're on the front straight. There's that signature Ford Mustang V8 noise. It's it's not a paddle shift. It's a stick shift going down to second into a held corner. Just a tiny little bit of curb on the exit. I'm expecting. Yep, there it is. And now the haul up Mountain Straight. And if you hear me changing my voice a little bit, that's because I'm getting pushed back into the seat and I'm actually banging my head off the headrest here. You've done quite a bit of this, Lockie. How does this car stack up? It handles very well, but you've got to love that. That engine noise. And also a proper stick shift, no paddles.
4: Yeah, there's no mucking about here. Proper Aussie style. Back to the stick shift and no better sound for a road car than a big V8, and what a place to hang it around.
1: Through Griffins now, up through the cutting, the little left king, all the way at the right-hand side of the road, braking just before the apex. settle the car down, down into second gear. Nice little bit of healing and towing from my, my chauffeur here, out to the Audi Sport wall. Now start to climb up, not quite flat through this next right-hander, or is it? Let's find out, No, a little bit of a lift through to the tree someone Park on the right-hand side, balance the car over this little rise, two left-handers, there's the grit, turning to the second of the left-handers, all the way to the edge, across the second grate. Bit of curb as we turn in at the top of the mountain, now onto Brock's skyline. Incredible lateral grip and G-force from a road car on street tires, into the dipper, down one, down two, balance the car. Right across to the thrifty wall on the right-hand side. Now cut into the Repco Dipper. Just about getting through there. Quick short shift into third. Now down through the Schick Hydro S's. Setting the car up for the BMW M Elbow at the Forest Elbow. Nice entry there. Dick Johnson's wall on the right-hand side. And thankfully, we avoid that. <laughs> and now down Conrad. Let the big 5.0 have its head. Drift across from the right to the left you sort of diagonal it here when you're in the race car we've lifted off so that we don't over speed down here but we were well up above (laughs) kilometers an hour i'm not going to get you into trouble and now as richard creale likes to say into the fastest corner in australian motorsport into the chase all the way across the white line on the left hand side and through the gt cars the gt3 cars braking beyond the 100 so we go down to a tricky little entrance here because you go across the brow of the road the crown in the middle of the road bridges on the right hand side and the spares box walkover bridge You're down towards Murray's and if we were in the race on Sunday we'd be coming down to the final corner with the chequered flag waving oh I can feel it I can feel it all and maybe in 2025 we'll see a close relative of this car competing here The Dark Horse Ford Mustang around Mount Panorama. What a way to end a broadcast day for me. Lucky, thanks very much indeed. Uh, It must suck to have your job, mate.
4: Yeah, mate, it's uh, been a horrible day here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've got to say goodbye to this car and give it over to someone else. What an experience. And I can't wait for the Ford Mustang Challenge to start at mid-Ohio later on in 2024. And you'll hear all of that, of course, on RS2, IMSA Radio, part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels. Brilliant stuff. Ford Mustang Dark Horse. Yeah, when did they come to the UK and can I have one? I'm standing, I think, in a very long line for that to be honest. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've just relived that. It was extraordinary. They were very clever because I got in and I didn't have time to adjust the seat. The seat was quite well forward so that you could brace your feet on the scuttle, sort of rally driver style. But they reclined the seat backwards. And I was sort of sitting forwards recording and throwing the mic backwards and forwards to Lackey there who was driving me. And every time he put his foot down, it just slammed me into the back of the seat. It was incredible acceleration. A a proper, proper um, sports touring GT, whatever you want to call it, fastback. And, I mean, what more do I have to say? You could hear the sound of that engine. Sounds great. And yes, please. (laughs) Scott Bartlett's probably listening in the States, giggling away because he's been driving one for a while. Uh, and as we said, we'll have the coverage of the Mustang Challenge uh, exclusively live here on uh, the RSL uh, network. Uh, sound and vision for that from mid-Ohio first weekend in June. Midweek Motorsport, Uh Series 19, Episode 7. That was last Saturday. Where do you want to go now, uh, Tim? Well, let's talk about Sunday, shall we? Because there was oh, yeah. a race on the mountain. There was a race. There was a race, indeed. Did you watch much of it, Nick? Um, I literally fell over it at the start. I didn't. didn't, I my um,
3: timing was my time zone was completely wrong. I was doing something else. I pressed the (laughs) refresh on YouTube, and suddenly it was there. I was going, "What?" I actually joined about ten minutes before the cars rolled off. Oh, perfect! And then I watched about well, an hour of it, and it got light. And then I'll be honest with you, I had something else to do on, on, on Saturday evening. That's all right. And then suddenly, suddenly, and then suddenly, of course, uh, by the time you get up the next morning, it's over.
1: Yeah, that is the problem. You have to, to, to get out. Do um, you have to make a point of if you go into bed of? getting... Well, one thing one thing I did of...
3: see, which uh, I'm not sure whether that was something I saw on a clip or actually live, was that you have people bringing you coffee in the booth. This sounds fantastic. I think that we need this uh, internationally. The
1: bringing of provisions during the broadcast. Not um, uh, not just anybody. That was McDonald's, McCafe. We had a McCafe what? set up in um, uh, opposite uh, the start-finish straight. So they basically took our orders and walked across the bridge. And later on the race, wow. when I fancied another one, I <laughs> I just got on the back channel to the uh, the fabulous supercar production TV production team and Angela who's was our uh, producer as I said any chance of another coffee she said yes and I said and she, would you like anything else I went yes some chocolate same order as before yes. And they magically appeared about ten minutes later. It's fun. That and Peter at the end of the race in the in the press room, which has become a bit of a, a tradition at the Bathurst Twelve Hours, as well. Uh, James O'Donnell and Dave Olcock saying, "Will we have the opportunity to have this on the road? Is a road legal version planned?" Dave, believe it or not, that car that I was in was fully road legal. The Dark Horse will be available. It's that was a right-hand drive car, so there's no reason it can't. Come to the UK with that glorious five-liter, nearly five hundred horsepower engine, and so much torque you could pull a house with it. Uh, very good, uh, and uh, James, James, or Donald, I think uh, thinking the uh, the same sort of way. Yeah, so we had coffee into the uh, the booth. That was very good, um, and I have, uh, I have another we... RSL-based
3: uh, team member-based mm-hmm. question. Um, yes. What was the purple thing that Schaefer in love with? What was the what what? The purple thing Schaefer or red thing that Schaefer in love
1: with? Uh, that was the that was the huge mascot for one of the teams, a little dragon. That was a team um, mascot, okay? Yes, a big big stuffed toy. I mean, it was half as big as her again. Um, and when she got picked up at six o'clock on Monday morning. Um, there was a bit of a cuff-off. We were waving her off like proud parents, seeing your kids going off to <laughs> university. Um, and when, when she was picked up for her run down to Sydney, uh, the team had managed to get a smaller version to uh-huh. the production team, and it, it made its way. So that's gone back home to Utah this year. Um, an interesting race. Uh, I, I, I see the comments about... Uh, mixed category racing. Um, I said this in the race. I'll say it now. Um, Bathurst needs to steer a mixed category race. Now, whether that's GTT, GT3s and GT4s, um, whether that's GT3, GT4s and Invitationals, I, I don't think it matters. I just think it needs to be a mixed category race I know that there were some issues many of those were caused by frustrated GT3 drivers driving into the back of some of the faster cars actually not necessarily the slow ones although Colin White copped uh, a pretty big shunt uh, that uh, subsequently it was van der Linde, wasn't it in the BMW the Shell car um, which took that car out the race and really took the Ginetta out of class on us as, as well I don't think Colin could have done anything else but I don't really want to see it just be all GT3s. Um, it will never be just a G, another GT3 race because of the mountain, because it'll always be something special. But I think there has to be something different. I know it's around. it's the opening round this year of the Intercontinental GT Championship. Um, but I don't think that should be allowed to take over because... They're effectively piggybacking on that, as they will do at, at, at the Nürburgring 24 this year. Um, they've got their own big race, which is one big GT3 race, which is at Spa. And I, I I really don't think you need to change Bathurst too much. I just think you need to slap the pro drivers around the heads a bit more. The good news is that GT4 in Australia has its own championship this year, and that will bring some more GT4 cars into the mix, potentially, maybe 10 or 12 at the, the big race last year. There we are, it was MSI Racing. Alan Prosser was there straight away. Hello, Alan. Um, and the first part of the race was bonkers good. Uh, ultimately, the car that led the most laps won, which isn't always the case. Brilliant driving by Aichan Guven the Turkish Porsche driver. He did more laps than any other single driver in the race, uh, despite having Matt Campbell and Laurence Vanto uh, in the car um, with him. don't think Van, uh, Vantor was very well, actually. I haven't got to the bottom of that, but he didn't drive that much. But Chan did the Yeoman's work in the middle. And despite the fact that they were a bit non mantai at times, uh, they blew a... Uh, pit stop time talk about that in a moment and then try to do the drive through under a safety car and then had to do it again so that lost them some time Uh, we had some great racing it was just great racing there was times when the BMW looked good there was times when any of the EMGs looked good Christopher Haaser the man whose name means rabbit found a hole at the end of the race and sneaked onto the podium um, in the battle for second third and fourth that was brilliant and that was unexpected as well. So there was a lot of happy people there. Uh, ultimately, Porsche took both of the main classes, the full Pro class and the GT3 Pro Arm, ending that incredible run of three um, victories, for in a row for Gil Gunon, who was two and a half seconds away from uh, history, becoming the only person, he would have become the only person to have won four in a row in any endurance race. Uh, and that would have given Sun Energy one their third in a row as well. It wasn't to be, but they give it a good goal, as the Aussies would say. Um, I'd like—I would like to talk um, uh, about a couple of things that came up. I'll do that in a second after some tweets here. Um, uh, I don't think the Bath tw- Twelve Hours would survive as just a JT race. fans like having the Mark cars and the other invitational cars, says Edwardian. Uh, The Right Turn Lover says, with the current state of B12 regs, we need more class mixing, not less. Strategy currently mostly eliminated. We need the traffic mix-up. That's a very good point, actually. Uh, La Filipponi says, needs to stay multi-class. I think it's fair to say they've been struggling to get GT4s, but the mark cars should absolutely stay. Maybe a chance for GT2 to come in, bring Porsche Cup back. Just thought, well, we did have a GT2 um, KTM, didn't we, Um, at the at the race, but that didn't start because of an accident. Um, that was in. I was really disappointed by that because I wanted to see how that went and how the, that GT2 KTM, we've seen lots of GT3 and GT4 KTMs in our other racing in the time. Um, the bit I want to talk about with you, Nick, and Tim, jump in as well, was the reintroduction of... Um, standardised mandatory pit stop times and stint lengths. Um, One or the other is bad enough, but both together, for me, slightly um, took the strategy out of the race.
3: Um, Isn't that, though, John, the same problem they have with the um, Spa 24 as well? Yeah. You know, it's, it's an, it I, I'm sorry, I don't know enough about the history of the of the event, but certainly it's an SRO thing, and it's it's you're you're effectively dumbing down um, the ability of the teams to influence anything in the in the in the overall race.
1: The, the issue for me is part of endurance racing is to be able to go fast and save fuel, and if you can go fast and save fuel, then your pit stops, you get an advantage in your pit stops. Same as saving tyres. They also allow tyre changing and fueling at the same time, which I never think is a good idea in endurance racing. Because, again, if you're leaving a set of tyres on, then you should be, particularly nowadays, when, you know, we're supposed to be using less of everything um, and fewer tyres are being allocated. There was only 12 sets of tyres for the whole meeting for the GT3 cars. And I think you should get an advantage for that. So if you don't have to change tyres and that saves you 15 seconds in the pits, then, um, you know... Go for yeah, it, and uh, how good you look. Um, it it takes out a bit of the strategic element of it, and there was a number of voices, not the people who won, um, certainly the car that was second, Kenny Abul, their work, uh, Sun Energy 1, work the regs, because they enter in full pro, which means Kenny, being a bronze driver, doesn't have to do his third of the race or whatever it is for the Pro-Arm he's only got to do 40 minutes actually did more than that he did a full stint Um but after that effectively it becomes a two pro driver car and that's how they won it last year it, we call it the Kenny rule um, but they need they needed they felt they needed to have the flexibility to do um, slightly different pit stops and I also they have two drivers who can save save fuel I've raced in uh, where there's been statutory pit stop times, but that tends to be because it's um, club or national style racing, where you do not want people racing around and people like me driving out without having me belts tightened up and things like that. Yeah, obviously
3: you don't you want, you want, want people to spend money on pit crews.
1: Correct. Exactly, you know, a, but if you've got a full
3: professional race, one of the, the top four or five in the top four or five, sorry, endurance races in
1: the world, then that's yeah. not what it's about. Mm. Totally, totally agree. Tim, any thoughts on that?
2: Nothing. You haven't already said.
1: Mm.
3: The problem is, you see, Joe, I think Dan, you and I are pretty much purists because you know, you no, know, I hated that year at Le Mans when they when they were doing things in in you know, in, in parallel because. Um, mm. It was massively exploited as they were allowed to do by Toyota. Um, yeah. Now, obviously, oh yeah, they in, changed in, the bodywork every,
1: uh, every every stop, every, didn't they? Yeah.
3: Now, of course, in in the states, it is it is done. It's always been done in the serial, which is fine. So they've got their racing tuned that way, and of course, they have many other things that even things up with the multiple yellow flags. Where, you know, in Le Mans, now they've gone back to power, to serial again, which is great because that's how it should be. Um, yeah,
1: I agree. We had full course yellow for the first time at. Bathurst, that, where we didn't have to deploy a safety car, and it was used a couple of times to great uh, effect. And by the way, Wait, so, Massey was So the full course, you mean they had like a code 60? Yeah, code 80 as it was there. Yes, right. 80 clicks. Um, and it was used to great effect to get rid of a couple of bits of debris on the circuit. So, I mean, I, I, it was less than a lap, one of them. A full course yellow came out, the bit of debris, I think it was a boot lid from an Audi. Um... Um, was was collected by one of the marshals and then we went back to green straight away. And I, I was about to say, uh, by the way, Michael Massey was back in uh, race control for Motorsport Australia, I think, at the weekend. A couple of people recognised his voice and I, I thought he... I'd seen him. Yes. Did they? Well, yeah, hey, fine. yeah, he's not, that's...
3: You know, you can't... You shouldn't destroy someone entirely with one mistake, to be honest. Correct.
1: Correct. Um, I have no doubt that... Uh, Tim is going to ask you about um, how many world championships uh, one of the principals of Red Bull thinks Lewis Hamilton has won in a minute as well. Uh, so all in all, it was a great uh, it was a great weekend. Uh, the fans came out uh, in force, not quite but almost a record crowd, but more camping than ever before. Uh, we had rain. We had sun, we had wind. We didn't have any kangaroos in the main race, although sadly one Skippy was cleaned up in the one of the um, uh, support races, which were phenomenal. I think every Alpha GT V6 in the world was in one of the races. Uh, and they were all streamed because there was extra streaming on Friday, which was huge. Uh, extra streaming on Saturday morning, which was also huge. And then Saturday afternoon and Sunday, obviously on on television as well uh, in the australia I, I, one thing I do want to say for those outside of Australia, just I know i say this I try, I try to remember to say this every year, but on Sunday five thirty in the morning, national television now there was a couple of channel changes, but it was all free to wear on various of um, channel seven 's affiliates, whether it was seven or Seven mate or whatever all the way through to six o'clock in the evening. Yes, there were ad breaks on that, um, but we tried to get those off. We were self-sufficient on that, and we tried to get those off on the network show when there was safety cars and such like, and rattle through a couple of them. So we had pretty much the last half an hour ad break free. And um, 1.3 million viewers in Australia on the network television. That's not the streaming and Fox and KO and the international stream and, and our audio as well, by the way. Um, that's an extraordinary percentage of the population. Um, uh, p- put it this way, if um, Daytona had got the same percentage of the population on NBC, 16.8 million Americans would have been watching Daytona on NBC, not the 700,000 that did watch. Aussies have taken it to heart and this race is now huge in Australia as well as globally, and it does still prove whatever anybody else thinks the power of national network television um, for the ho- for the home audience. Um, our, our listenership figures were up on twenty twenty three, and actually up on twenty nineteen, right across the board. Uh, with bizarrely, well, perhaps not bizarrely, um, our biggest i think i'm right in saying and evil tell me on the chat here but I, th- I think our biggest listenership was in australia so whether you were traveling around listening to it whilst you were in your car or you were doing something in the yard or you had it on um so you could keep up with what was going on during the ad breaks on the tv i, I don't know but australia has taken the audio feed to heart uh as well i, I presume some people of the nearly 50,000 people at the track were uh, listening uh, as well, although there was an FM frequency. Really, really good weekend. Uh, Bathurst has taken the race to its heart. Australia has taken Bathurst 12 hours to its heart. There's some big announcements. Talking to Rutgers, uh, who is Shane Rutgers, who is the event director, there's some big announcements to come out in the next few weeks. Um, it is the first round of Repco Supercars this weekend with the thrifty Bathurst 500 to 250k races. Um, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, um, but some big, big announcements coming for uh, Bathurst 12 Hours uh, and its future. Speaking of supercars, by the way, I went to Newcastle yesterday. Um, went through Wall's End on the way. Really? Which and alternative new cars
3: is that? Is that against your religion? Mm.
1: Um, the The very lovely. Uh, coastal town of Newcastle. Big coal mining area, this, by the way, um, in as well as wine in the Hunter Valley. Big co- open-cast coal fields, huge. Um, and I drove what's left of the old supercar circuit because they've already pulled up the hairpin at the bottom of the hill and put a children's playground on it, which seems just a bit spiteful to me mm. that they've done that. Uh, then I went on a fact-finding drive um, up to cessnock which is the place just outside of newcastle and actually a a wheel nuts throw from where i'm sitting now literally just about 10 k's away um is the the center of cessnock the the place that wants the supercars um not sure i could i had a good look at the aerial and then i had a drive around i'm not sure there's anywhere in the town center that they could do it um it's been talked about the little regional airport that's there. So I went and had a look at the regional airport. They were very nice. Let me have a nosy over the fence. It's possible, um, but it's not Newcastle. And losing that race is a big loss. Um, 31.5 million Aussie dollars the race brought in. And, uh, and it's not going back there. So that's why they're at Bathurst this weekend.
2: Newcastle one of the circuits that uh, I didn't go to when I did my uh, tour of
1: Australian racing circuits. Mm. It was, um, it's lovely. The whole town, the whole city is lovely. And I, I wish I'd gone earlier in the week because I would have spent a bit more time there. But next year um, I've already decided that I'm going to do the same trip after Bathurst. Um, the, the the strange coincidence that I was talking about at the the top of the show was that I was looking for somewhere to eat the other night and trawling through so that I hadn't stayed in the hotel all day because I'd been working and um, a a local bar stroke, bistro came up called 19 so I put that into the Cayennes sat nav and off I toddled and that again it's about 10 or 15 kilometres away and I Puddled up the road, and as I turned right into uh, the area that it was, I realised I'd turned into Chateau Elan. Well, not me personally. Yeah. I had gone onto the drive of Chateau Elan, and it is the Chateau Elan that Don Pino's established down here in Australia. And I have to say, when I was sitting having my Tuesday fish and chip special uh, in, the, in the bistro uh, it got a bit dusty in there because I thought this place wouldn't be here without Doctor Don, and neither would I, um, having just done my tenth network television presentation of the Bathurst Twelve Hours, and it was it, it was Don who set it up. Well, it's not owned by the family anymore; they still own the one in Georgia, but ah, just in- incredible that I hadn't realised how close I was, I was to it, and uh, that brought back like, some happy happy memories of Doctor Parnell's and. Uh, and Nancy, the very lovely Nancy, his good lady, um, and I do still miss him, one of my motor racing dads. So that was a nice little homage, little uh, little trip trip out. Beautiful area around here, Nick. You would love it. You would absolutely love it. You and Rich need to get down here. Um, right, enough of the travel log. Where would you like to go, Mr. <laughs> Tim? Let's go to Finland. Oh, Finland, Finland,
3: Finland. Because a country where I quite want to be.
2: Well, you should have... I don't want to go to Finland, I'm sorry. I want to go to Sweden. I haven't got a song for that. ABBA had a plethora of hits. You could not, have chosen any of them. Not
3: saying Sweden. No. It's still, still my biggest wish for 2024. It has nothing to do with motorsport. It's for an ABBA reunion at the Eurovision Song Contest being held in Sweden 50 years after they won.
1: Oh, Yes.
3: Uh, they keep saying no because one of the girls is, is um, uh, apparently has very bad stage fright uh, yeah, uh, these days. So it probably isn't going to happen. But it's literally the thing I think that every, every good-fearing man and woman and everything in between wants to see.
2: They can take it's the over, can't they? They could. It's very could true, it.
3: actually. Yeah, they, 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 it's not quite the same. Have think you seen it, it? Uh I haven't, no, because it's about 170 quid.
2: No, you can get tickets cheaper than that. Uh, well, I, I have go. a cunning
1: I have a cunning plan, Nick. Mm-hmm. For a works night out. About the the ABBA Stadium thing. Yeah. Cool. I'll
2: let you know. Stand later. By, um
3: isn't, isn't it on the old Olympic park, isn't
2: it? It's near the Olympic Park, it's on the other side of the railway. Oh,
3: yeah. I'm sorry, this for the people nothing, this is Abba foyage, is it? Yes which is a, the hologram of which they ran for a short period of time in the West End. And now it's so popular, they have built their own stadium for it.
2: Which was only supposed to be there for a year. And then uh, because it had sold out, they uh, decided to keep it there for another year.
3: And mm. another year. and another. Let's be honest, though, it's 40 years of uh, Lemis coming up this year or next year. So, um, you know, it, some of these things just get run and run, don't they?
2: The Mousetrap's been on week. for about 70, hasn't it?
3: Mm.
1: In yeah, spite so and it's the 92nd running of Le Mans this year, as well. Yeah,
3: that's not running every. That's not running seven times a week, though, is it?
1: No, but it is a full they're day. They're live seven prediction.
2: seven times a week. No, mm, true. But, but then, any other rapper? <laughs> no.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, anyway. Uh, Shall we get back to more The sport? reason I got confused with Finland and Sweden is because it was Esa Pekka Lappi who won mm. Rally Sweden at the weekend, taking Hyundai's second uh, consecutive uh, win, and uh, meaning they are now
3: uh, doing very well for um, themselves. I, I, I don't want to seem like I'm paying attention to
1: rallying, but even though he won, he didn't score the most points, did he? He did not, no.
3: No, no, he
2: didn't.
1: But he, but But that was because... He didn't score very well in the, or at all, in fact, in the um, Super Smashing Special, Super Special Smashing, <laughs> Super Smashing Great. Look at what you could have won, Speedboat. Um, yeah. So it's yeah. a bit pointless, winning, Really, wasn't it? Yes. No. Well, it was a bit pointless winning anyway because he's not a full season competitor. Yeah, so he's not going to win the championship anyway. He should have let oh, his would teammate
2: uh, Thierry Nerville win. Mm. Uh, Nerville finished have. fourth, but still leads the championship three points ahead of Elvin Evans, who
1: finished second and scored the most points this weekend. Yes, he led at the end. I think he led at the end of Saturday. He got good points on the Sunday sprint part, and did he win the Super Special Smash and Grit? Uh, let's have a yes, look. Yes, he did. He got yes. five,
2: didn't he? Yes. Yeah. Mm. So in the confusing uh, WRC points uh, system, uh, Thierry Nerville leads by three points from Alvin Evans. Uh, they both have one rally winner piece. Adrian Formo is third on a distant 29 points. Uh, Sebastian Ogier. Has fourth in the championship on 24 points. He didn't even go to Sweden. Uh, Ert Tanak is fifth. Uh, the winner of the Rally Sweden, Espeka Lappi, is down in sixth. Uh, Takamoto Taksuta is uh, in seventh. Kalarov and Pera, eleven points in eighth. Oliver Solberg is ninth. And Andreas Mikkelsen is tenth.
4: We've so started you'd something.
2: Come on, sorry. That with the uh, two. Rally wins uh, out of two rallies, uh, Hyundai would be well clear in the manufacturers' championship.
3: I would expect that.
2: They're not. They're uh, equal first with Toyota.
3: Was uh, AP know, registered
1: for points though? Lappy, no. Well, there you go. Can I just say?
3: I know I'm a little bit down generally on rallying, but this does sound like a total farce. Yes, it if- is. If no one's... Ta- How many people are, who are actually in a competitive car are doing the whole season?
2: Two. Probably. It's ridiculous. Full season it, it entries. It depends on whether you would describe the Ford Puma as a competitive car. As competitive.
1: Car. Yeah. Is it and it finished, competitive? it finished third
2: <laughs> at the weekend,
1: so... It, interestingly, talking about scoring points for Manufacturers Championships, um... The Intercontinental GTs have um, now, SRO have now decided that anybody in any car can score for the for the manufacturer. So you don't have to nominate or be a full season entrant. Um, Which, to me, the, the the reason that they do that, of course, is so that you can't pack out the late rallies. With a whole load of people who run at the front of the field because they're reverse seeding early on and either get an advantage or um, or, or sweep the stages for for your championship contenders. Um, and and then also with the potential of taking, uh, taking championship points away from the other manufacturers. I understand why it's doing it, but the law of un- unintended consequences and of changing the point scoring this year Again, I completely understand the reasoning behind it. They wanted people to drive harder on a Sunday and not just cruise to the finish. I'm not sure how many rallies um, recently people have cruised to the finish in the last I couple of seasons. the
2: the haven't been
1: watching the rallies. Mm. I think when we talked to P-Mac about it, Peter McKay, and we should have P- Peter on actually to talk about it. We'll get him on in the next couple of three weeks we'll
2: before uh, the next rally. Yes, the next rally is the Safari rally, so we'll get him on ahead of that. Completely different uh, conditions uh, in <laughs> Kenya to what uh, we saw in Sweden at the weekend. Uh, it was Very, snow- yeah. very similar conditions... Uh, were seen in Andorra at the weekend where Baptiste Panissier in the WRM by Shanreen Motorsport SRD Racing uh, Clio posted a perfect score in the Clear Ice Trophy season finale.
3: Excellent. At the Andorra, at the Andorra track?
2: Yes.
1: Excellent. The highest track in the world. In the
2: world. Yeah. But it was Antonio Otero for Puzzle Motorsport who took the title, celebrating his 42nd birthday in style with his first... Championship win. I've had a couple of
1: emails whilst I've been away, Tim, that really should have gone to you. Uh, the first one from the Mountain Gorilla Rally yeah. and hey. the second one from Visit Stockton-upon-Tees, up, up both basically saying the thing is, how have we become usurped by the world's highest permanent racetrack? Because you don't seem to want to talk about us anymore on oh, Midweek Motorsports. That's
2: not true. Um, in fact, next Wednesday... Mm-hmm. Are you a uh, fan of Fairport Convention? Oh, yes. Yeah. Because they're still touring with one of the original members. Really? And oh next Wednesday while we're doing this show. It's uh, not so much right, a
1: convention
3: anymore is it? It's just one of them.
2: Well, no, they've got new members. <laughs> there's there's four of them in total. Right. Um <laughs> out of I mean over the 60 or nearly 60 years that they've been going 57 years they've been going uh, they've had about 40 different members but there's four yeah. of them at the moment and next wednesday uh, evening they're at the arc art centre in stockton on tees
1: so who's left uh, it was richard thompson who's who, <laughs> yes he's um, gone
2: right um i can't remember who the uh, what the full lineup is now uh, but yeah richard thompson uh, is no longer there um one of the original members is uh, is dead, unfortunately. So that's his reason. They for were not described
1: to... as the British version of Jefferson Airplane, really, weren't they? Yes. Um, they were pretty pretty good. Um, fork oh, rock right. type thing. Are they
3: prog rock? Are they no? Well, fork rock, really? Folk.
1: Yeah, ah, fork right. rock, I... fork prog, fork. Yeah, think um, sort of uh, Bob Dylan, Johnny Mitchell. Songs, they sort of did they did a few covers okay. of those. Good. Um, now, last Alib- week yeah? uh, was half term.
3: Yeah, well, no, because some, some places it was last week and some places it was the week before.
2: Well, if you're in Saltburn, the half term panto is still on at the Saltburn oh, no, Community Theatre. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was behind you now, Nick. <laughs> Uh, the very exciting, exciting story of Humpty Dumpty being performed.
1: Exciting,
2: excellent," said the Teesside Dearly Bugle. Uh, the Teesside Lions are facing the Bristol Hurricanes at the Eston Arena on Saturday at half past three, and tomorrow night at the Globe <laughs> Theatre in Stockton. Professor Brian Cox is on stage uh, because if it's happening, it's happening in Stockton on Tees. Excellent. Well done. And we didn't rehearse that bit
1: at all.
2: Which jingle would you (laughs) like me to play next? A or B? Um,
1: What are you voting? B. Nick? B. Yeah, Okay. I'll go B. B.
2: Yes!
0: And now, from Norwich... It's the quiz of the week... This week's prizes include this sailing dinghy, which we hope will be to your liking. It's 12 feet long with a fiberglass hull and built in buoyancy tanks. But now, let's meet the man with the questions of the money Nicholas Parsons.
3: A dinghy? Yeah, a dinghy. dinghy. Yes. I wanted a mini metro, base, base model mini metro.
1: Uh, Metro City. Yeah, absolutely. Austin Metro, they started out as, didn't they? Oh, maybe, true, maybe we can have that
2: in a future week. But this week, we're playing for the dinghy.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, I do love the voiceover man's sort of adenoidal. Oh, no, it's the quiz of the week. <laughs> we, we need to get. Have you got not got a, um, an instrumental version of that? And we, we'll bring it up to date with some midweek. Let's see what field. we can find. I'll All see right, if... So um,
2: oh, a I can't g- remember his name. Mum. Who was that? Um, no, who was the original voiceover on Sale of the Century? Ooh, it Peter was... V,
3: isn't it? Peter something.
1: It wasn't Peter, oh. no. Um, hang on. You, you start. I'll look it up. Um,
2: yes. Oh, you're Go right. On. It was uh, no Peter wasn't. Marshall. Peter, Peter Marshall, Marshall, yes. Peter Marshall. No, it ben was John Benson. Ben- John Benson. That's who we heard. John, John Benson. The Benson. Yes. Yeah. That's who I was thinking about. Yes. Yeah. That that's the one we heard. Uh, anyway, this week's uh, Dale of the Century is a helmet special.
3: Ooh. Ooh. So, sorry, helmet. So helmet your... or helmet?
1: Helmet. I was about to say, who's buying <laughs> helmet, Marko? <laughs> I'll give you a pound. <laughs> did, uh, did, he hasn't asked you about this. Did Did you see and hear the interview that he did with Karen Chanduk? where he was, he referred to Lewis Hamilton as an eight-time world champion, and Karen straight away went, eight times? He went, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, Lewis won the 2021 championship.
3: Jesus. <laughs> That's off-paste. To, uh, he is mental, isn't he?
1: He's absolutely just, mental, that man. Just to ball another top-spinning googly into the furore around Red Bull at the moment. Anyway, by the by, helmet special then?
2: Uh, yes, well, don't worry about it, because... Uh, Andrew Marriott, uh, during our coverage of uh, Dubai, uh, claimed that uh, Alan Prost was a 1992 Formula 1 world champion. Only one year out. Yes, that's true. Uh, we're going to start with Mick Hackinen. Oh, OK. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to uh, ask Nick to go first. What,
1: what, what, so so give me the provenance. Th- we ne- OK, we need this is know... a
2: uh, used helmet. Um by Mika Hakkinen from the 1998 season.
3: Right, so it's race worn.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. £4,795. Okay, and John... Is it pounds? It is in pounds, yes. All of these will be in pounds.
1: I think... I think it's more. So I'll go 5000
2: and John is a winner. <laughs> uh, it's four thousand nine hundred and ninety-five. Oh pounds. so close.
3: We're pitching it to there or thereabouts.
2: Yes.
1: Where are these where are these for
2: sale, by the way? I'm though? not gonna tell you. Oh, okay. So it wasn't <laughs> an auction. It, it yeah. has been an auction, yes. Oh, okay, fine. Uh, next we're looking at a twenty twenty Lando Norris with signed visor. Ooh. Yeah,
3: but has he worn it? No. Right.
2: This is not. John. his first? But it is signed. John first. Um.
1: Full size. This is full not size. one little this is, this is
2: not a half size replica. No. They only go for about a thousand pounds. No, do they? Um. I might have given you a clue there. Fifteen hundred pounds.
3: Nick. Eighteen hundred and fifty.
2: Nick's the winner of that round because mm. it, uh, it was 2,750 pounds.. Mm. Okay. Uh, next, Lewis Hamilton.: Yeah. This one is uh, an official replica, mm. so not worn, and it's not been signed. Right.
3: Okay. Uh, it's from 2018.-hmm. Uh,
2: Nick, you're going first.:
3: 1250.
1: John? Oh, surely it's got to be more than that. Um, or is it? So so it's full size though, is it? It's full size. I mean buying a helmet is is a thousand quid, isn't it? What did you say, Nick? Twelve fifty, I went low. I'll go a thousand then.
2: Nick wins six thousand one hundred pounds. What? I know. <laughs> uh phil reed is next oh okay Ooh, real one well, a, a real worn one in fact his last ever crash helmet and it's been signed
3: yeah but it's motorcycling isn't it mm. no, it's not my problem it's john's problem first anyways that's all right
1: <sighs> it's the best thing so far by the way uh, well it's the only one that we would go for isn't it mm. so so what year is this from then if it's his last ever helmet him, do you know? Really? Well, Let me not... uh,
2: look at the information uh, and 1963
3: Oh my
1: lord, okay Okay Well he raced after that um, because he raced at the TT till the late 70s uh,
2: Yes, this is his last ever Oh, sorry, you're right Yes, this is not his 63 helmet uh, It's It's being sold alongside the 1963 Brands Hatch Championship Trophy. So this is a 1982 helmet. With a trophy? With a 1963 trophy.
3: Ooh. Okay. All right. Here you
2: go, John. Uh, The helmet is uh, made by X-Lite, and it's carbon. Ooh, really? And uh, it Um, comes
1: complete with a Scrutineer sticker. Well, okay. I'd hope so if he actually used it. Five and a half thousand pounds. I'm going to hope
3: it's more, so I'm going to say six. John's got nah, it spot on. 5500 oh. pounds. <laughs> Would you pay that for it? I don't <sighs> know. I might do. It's, it's the best souvenir so far. That's what they call I think isn't so. It? Yeah, suppose.
2: Uh, so tiebreaker time. Oh, mm-hmm. exciting! Uh, this is a 2006 uh, helmet. Mhm right uh from one Jensen button it comes yes. complete with radio lead and drinks tube ooh
3: so it's race worn yeah. it
2: is race worn ooh
3: right 2006 it so 2006 b a r uh, BAR. B-A-R. B-A-R. uh right. right so he's british and people like him And he's race warned it. It's got some gubbins. I'm going to go £9,995.
1: John, it's got to be worth more than that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm going to go lower. I'm going to go lower than that. But how much lower dare I go? Well, you could
2: just go a pound
1: lower, but... That's not how Hmm. we play this game, Tim. (laughs) That's how John plays this game. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right well, I, I, I can't tell whether Tim is trying to throw me off by saying it's got to be more than who that who knows who knows uh, it could be a double bluff couldn't it mm. I'm gonna say £10,000 then I'm gonna say £10,000 uh, you said
2: 9995 Nick yeah yeah Nick is the winner of this round and no! of the game because <laughs> it was £9,500.
3: Oh, I've got a pound, Lord, You got, That's as you close got, as I've been for got ages. Your, you got yourself psyched out by Tim there, John. A nightmare. Tim actually psyched me out, absolutely. <laughs>
2: uh, uh, uh. So uh, that concludes That Uh, that,
3: did this sale have loads more helmets? Was that it? uh,
2: They were the only real ones. The others were all uh, replicas. Right, Mm. Uh, half-scale replicas at that. (laughs) So let's move on to this. The news that no one is talking about.
0: The stories that aren't reported anywhere else. And for valid editorial reasons, pointless press release of the week on midweek motorsport.
1: I always have a slight, uh, there's a slight air of trepidation when we do this because I never know where, none of us know where it's coming from.
2: Nope. This, this one's come from NASCAR. Okay. Excellent. Uh, and we got it on Friday. An international phenomenon, the 66th running of the Daytona 500, Sunday, February 18th, will be broadcast to fans in more than 185 countries and territories, reaching over 555 million households worldwide. Except it didn't happen on Sunday. It didn't, no. But they couldn't have known that then. They couldn't have known that then. They, they don't have weather forecasters in Florida, do they?
3: <laughs> but not, not in the PR department.
2: No. Notably, the full NASCAR Cup season will air free in New Zealand via new partner Three Now, so fans can watch countryman Shan van Gisbergen. Shan, yes.
1: <laughs> oh dear! Oh dear! Giesbergen, apparently. Uh, See, because it was delayed, it meant I could get to watch it. <laughs> mm. So I, I watched it. At breakfast time. And then the Xfinity race was was, afterwards, even though it should have been before. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Earl Bamba uh, had said that Shane had sent him a note saying, "Uh, at least uh, now that I'm not driving in the Daytona um, 24 hours, the Rolex, I don't have to be racing around at midnight. (laughs) And <laughs> course, what happened was they went on after Daytona 500, so it was very nearly midnight. <laughs> he was still racing around. <laughs> Shan Van Giesbergen. Shan okay. Van
2: Giesbergen. Yes. Ah, good old Shan. Uh, fans can also watch in India, Japan, Daytona 500 only, and Greece.
3: It's the word. It's It's behind a very expensive paywall.
2: Additionally, Mm -hmm. for the first time, fans in Canada and Brazil will have extended viewing options via incremental free-to-air coverage with existing partners in Canada
1: and Brazil. Incremental free-to-air? Well, that means that it's like looking through your fingers. You can only see bits of it. (laughs) Oh yes, because I have commercials. Ah, right. Okay. Okay. But it's still free-to-air. It's either free-to-air or it's not free-to-air.
3: Sorry, I don't understand. No, I'm going to... Go back to... Incremental on what? It's,
2: yeah, exactly. In addition to the f- paid coverage, which is on TSN in Canada, it was also right. on CTV. Right. And uh, okay. in addition to the paid coverage on Band play in Brazil, it was on Canal Twenty One. All right. Okay. Okay. Bit weird. Um, Possibly not all of it. You didn't maybe. pick. You didn't pick up on the. Uh, fans in Canada, Canada and Brazil will have extended viewing options uh, for the Daytona 500 via incremental free-to-air coverage with existing partners in Canada and Brazil.
3: Ah, oh, right. Because because yeah, but it, it perhaps be the Canadians a are doing the Brazilian bit. The Brazilians are doing the Canadian one.
1: Maybe that's what yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah. Good job yeah. it wasn't Sweden and Denmark. Um,
3: or Finland.
2: Mm. Uh, in the United States, fans can watch live on Fox.
1: And well, we did. Between that's the what I watched.
3: Apparently it was one out of every seven
1: laps or something. Yeah, eight laps, pretty much. And they, do, they still don't do an international feed. So they were just laying out. Well, sometimes they were laying out. Sometimes you could hear the booth. Um, and whoever was on the ad break button on Fox 506 was... I think they were waiting to see if anything was going to happen. So they'd wait about 10 or 15 seconds, and then they'd hit the ad break, which means, of course, you crashed back in 15 seconds late yeah. of, from, the, from the local breaks going back in, into the, the main Fox feed. And also you've got that odd thing where they did packages where you heard the audio, because it's English language, but you didn't see the pictures. Yes. Yes. Um, I do not understand why why they can't um, get themselves organised to do a proper international feed and just have the commentators breathe and then carry on. You know, like we did at the weekend, and I'm not saying this is because it was us, but it's not that hard to do. Frankly, if I can do it, anybody can do it. So May Krelsey and Garth Tander um, were pausing getting into the Fox break or getting into whoever's break it was and then continuing for everybody else, including people at the track and the the World Feed, etc. Hey-ho. 22 ad breaks for an hour and five minutes for a race that lasted 3 hours and 25. One-third of the data 500 was commercials or sponsor ads, says Alan Crosser. Thank you. That's awful. And before we finish, and we are holding up HRN here. I well, don't want um, those pre recorded. They're not right, actually uh, waiting this week. All right. Uh, Johannes says, um, another very quick pointless press release of the week. How about the official clothing partner of the FIA?
3: Mm.
2: Yes, I did get the facts. I thought it was mm. too too boring too even pointless. for us. Yes. Uh, if I thought the NASCAR one was it. better.
1: No, I'd... I'd, I'd Yes, I, I do like Shan Van Gisbergen. Uh, Shan. John Watson right? that, do you think?
2: What a way Adam. to uh, sell sell your product to
1: your new audience in New Zealand. In New Zealand, indeed so. Uh, thank you very much to Fall Performance Australia for my trip around The Mountain, Ben Nightingale and the team were extremely nice to me, so thank you very much indeed. Uh, To Nick and to Tim and, of course, to the responsible adult, Eve Hewitt, back at the same time next week when I will be in a different country but still not in the UK. What time will it be when I say, hello, it's just after 8 o'clock?
2: It'll be just after midnight and it'll still be tomorrow.
1: Mm. Uh, Yes, that's right. So I'll still be coming from the future. Uh, next week, but slightly less from the future. Uh, you'll find out more about that next Wednesday, 8 o'clock UK or whatever time zone you're on. That was Midweek Motorsport, Series 19, Episode 7. Thank you for all your comments tonight. They've been great. Uh, no time to explain. The Llama is just filling in a visa.
0: This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, subscribe to Midweek Motorsport wherever you get your podcasts.